3: Hey, it's David Reed, one of the producers of Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Hoping that you're preparing for a fearless fourth full of food, family, fireworks, and of course, celebrating the freedom of this great country. Here's a recap of this week's fire starters. We kicked it off in a big way on Monday. We're talking about an inferno. LeBron James, O.J. Simpson, and Barstools. Dave Portnoy took to social media to stand up for women following the overturn of Roe versus Wade. Here's Jason's fire on these three stooges.
1: Abortion on demand has long been the welfare check of feminism and the sexual revolution. It allows for sex without consequence or responsibility. It levels the playing field, freeing women to join irresponsible, weak and displaced men and abandoning children before, before eye contact. Modern feminism is nothing more than women's fight to be as morally bankrupt and undisciplined as O.J. Simpson, Harvey Weinstein, and Jeffrey Epstein. It should come as no surprise that men, ruled by money and fame, are seemingly all in agreement on the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Abortion is the culture's get-out-of-jail-free card. It's the linchpin in normalizing the swipe right hookup freedom men and women, untethered from biblical morality, desire. Friday's Supreme Court ruling unmasked a high profile sex without consequence coalition that ties OJ Simpson, Dave Portnoy, LeBron James, Samuel L. Jackson, Kyler Murray, Kendrick Lamar, and so many more. Celebrity men took to Twitter this weekend to share outrage over the court's decision to return the abortion debate back to the states. OJ Simpson, yeah, OJ Simpson was one of the first people in. He dropped this video uh, with his pro-abortion tape.
0: Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. Happy Sunday. <laughs> well, it's my Twitter site, so it's my opinion. Let's start with Roe versus Wade. Uh, I thought it was a horrible decision. I think women should have the right to decide uh, uh, what happens uh, with their bodies, especially in cases of rape and um, and incest. I'm a little surprised that some of these alleged evangelical women who uh, have been speaking out against, you know, I guess, abortion. Look, if you believe in God, you should know. It's gonna come down to whatever person and the Lord one day. So let's leave it up to him when that time comes. Uh, We're all gonna have to face him.
1: OJ doesn't know what he's talking about. He's conflating the issue. The Supreme Court ruled that it's up to the states, to the states to decide abortion. It's not a federal issue. It's not up to the Supreme Court. Uh, Dave Portnoy, uh, the founder of Barstool Sports, he called an emergency press conference on Friday to vent. Uh, Take a listen.
4: At what point do you look at the Constitution and say, hey, this was written by people who had slaves. Maybe not everything is exactly to a T in the constitution, like a million years from now, you're gonna use the document written in the, it's just nuts in what world, the world evolves, people evolve, technology evolves, you got to evolve. You can't stick with this document and look at that and be like, that's the end all be all. It, it, it's literally crazy pills. This is coming from somebody who consistently is like, the US is the best country in the world by a mile. I still believe it, but we're going backwards And the left and the right suck so far like the left hates me. The the woke left, the liberals, they're crazy. They're insane people. Yet, I end up having to vote for a moron like Biden because the right is gonna put Supreme Court people in who are just ruining this country and taking basic rights away. I honestly believe 95% of the people in the country think like me. They're like, they're liberally, they're, they're socially liberal and they're financially conservative. They like 90% of what Republicans, they don't like the woke culture, all this craziness. But then you look at what they're doing and it's like, you're taking away basic rights. What's next, same sex marriage? Like what is next? It's insane. That's why we have to vote for the morons like Biden, who's borderline incompetent because it's too dangerous to vote Republican. Like what the f- are we doing? Wake up.
1: Look, well, I, I don't know Dave Portnor. I've never met him. I don't know who he voted for. It's hard for me to believe he voted for Joe Biden. It sounds like he's insinuating a lie, in my view. Guy interviewed Donald Trump, his affinity for Trump, uh, he made quite clear. uh, It's hard for me to believe that he voted for Joe Biden. But the guy's untethered from reality. He's untethered from any morality He he doesn't understand, again, he has no religious convictions or any convictions at all. He just wants to do what's best for Dave Portnoy. And that's why all these people, I'm socially liberal. That means anything goes with me. And that's the way I wanna live my life, anything goes. And I'm physically conservative. That means I wanna be rich so I can pay for whatever it is I want. Those are his values. I want to be rich and I want anything to go. Anything that I desire, I want to do. Great values. Uh, He wasn't alone though. OJ, Dave Portnoy, LeBron James, he chimed in. Uh, he, He absolutely, it's absolutely about power and control according to LeBron's Twitter feed where he was retweeting another guy and just who was complaining about the Roe v. Wade ruling and how this is all about control. They just want to control women. And LeBron, you know, he's for women. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson, the actor, he took to Twitter, fired an Uncle Clarence racial slur at Justice Clarence Thomas. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson, gotta play that card because uh, Clarence Thomas wants to, the states to decide abortion because Clarence Thomas isn't one of these, hey, just abortion on demand, guys, because Clarence Thomas actually believes in policies that would actually lead to more black people rather than lead to the more slaughter of black children in the womb. He's an Uncle Tom for that. Samuel L. Jackson, he's the righteous one. During a concert in England, Kendrick Lamar, he donned a thorny crown, fake blood, and shouted, Godspeed to women's right. You know, Kendrick, he's just awesome. Just awesome. You know, he's the smartest guy. He, you know, he won a Nobel Peace Prize for rap. He, he's, he's the leader we need on this. Kyler Murray, quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals, tweeted, no one should be able to force their beliefs on anyone's body. That is not right. Sending love to our women. Where was Kyler Murray when all of the NFL was being forced to take a vaccine? Did he? Did he tweet out? Did he have the courage during that time to do what Aaron Rodgers was eventually forced to do? What Cole Beasley did from the get-go? And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he was anti-vaccine and Kyler Murray never took it. I don't remember. I don't remember seeing any of the tweets this strongly about. Hey, let's don't force this on my body or any of my teammates' bodies. Uh, Juan Thornhill, a defensive back for the Chiefs, added, uh, you can take this however you want, but men should never be able to make decisions about what women do with their body. It's that simple. Well, actually it's not that simple, but it is to boys and men raised in a matriarchal culture. They'd rather question God than question their mother. See, that's what Thornhill's doing. He, he doesn't understand. And again, I don't know his religion. I don't know if he has any, but he just doesn't get it. His mentality is, how dare anybody question women? And if the Bible says abortion is wrong and it's murder, he's far more comfortable and this entire society is far more comfortable questioning the Bible than women because we've been soaked in this matriarchal culture. I could go on listing other athletes and celebrities who offered apologies to women. I get it. Most of these guys just wanna get laid. And if their girlfriend or mistress gets pregnant in the process, they want the option of offering cash, a non-disclosure agreement, and an abortion. They wanna make the rules up as they go. See, that's why they wanna be rich, I'm fiscally conservative. And that's why they're socially liberal. I wanna do whatever I wanna do. And I want my money to justify it and to clean up any mistake that I make. Two years ago, the boxer Adrian Bronner confessed on his Instagram page, without abortions, I would have almost 30 kids. We can't do this. We can't continue with a no discipline allowed or no denying abortion culture. It's killing America by killing our respect for life. We can't eliminate all standards of morality and self-responsibility. NDA is the enemy of self-governance. Avoiding unwanted pregnancy is not that difficult. It requires a tiny amount of discipline Condoms work, abstinence has only failed one time in the history of mankind, and atheists believe the lone failure is a fairy tale. Vasectomies and tubal ligation are nearly as effective as abstinence. Birth control works. More government intervention is not the right solution for a problem rooted in individual irresponsibility. Jacob Johnson, a fullback for the Las Vegas Raiders, reflected the thoughts of many people angered by the Supreme Court decision. Tweeting out, pro life better get to work, paid maternal and paternal leave, universal health care, free child care, financial support for mothers, equitable K through 12 education. Jacob. <clears throat> Why do so many athletes believe the government fixes problems? There's no proof that the government fixes problems. None. That kind of thinking goes against everything athletes are taught in sports. In sports, all problems, all solutions start with the man or woman in the mirror. Every coach tells you that. Every locker room environment is immersed in that mentality. Quit looking outside for solutions. You be the solution. The creation of a child is within the control of the man and the woman who climb into bed together. You surrender some of that control when you use drugs or alcohol to assist you in the pursuit of intimacy. We should, make say, uh, we should make sex under the influence as unpopular as driving under the influence. Weed and alcohol are the tools of the sexually weak. You know how I know? I used to use those tools. It contributed to an unwanted pregnancy that ended in abortion. I did not know about or participate in the abortion, but my irresponsible behavior contributed to the ending of a child's life. I have to answer for that. I know what weak people do because I'm weak. That's why I've embraced my faith. I've done all the weak BS that these guys are doing and want to justify and continue to do. They're not man enough to look in the mirror and address the person at the root of the problem. It's you, it's man. You wanna front like you're big, tough, and a conqueror of the world. You're a coward. America is, America is answering for cultivating a secular culture intent on removing all morality. The culture has corrupted the athletic world. Athletes, once symbols of this nation's highest ideals and values, are unapologetic, money-obsessed, no morals rock stars. Can you blame them? America's spiritual leaders have surrendered to the exact same temptation. The lure of popularity has seduced many ministers to avoid speaking on modern culture. Speaking against the savagery of abortion could upset a significant portion of any female-dominated congregation. It's similar to the calculation many in the church made during the Civil Rights Movement and before the Civil War. My favorite minister, Tulsa's Mike Todd, made no reference to the overturning of Roe v. Wade this past Sunday. He spoke for two and a half hours yesterday. His church is filled with young people. Many of them, I would assume, are sexually active and need guidance on an issue as pervasive as the abortion debate. Leadership voids get filled. OJ Simpson, LeBron James, Kendrick Lamar, Kyler Murray, Samuel L. Jackson, and Dave Portnoy are more than happy to tell young people what to think on any topic. Their advice serves their lifestyle and their life experience. They're the gods of the culture weak men created, the gods of a culture that preys on young women with NDAs and abortions. Strong men must rebuke their advice.
3: Tuesday, another big show, this time with Arizona gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake. She recently took on both CNN and Fox News' Brett Baer showing why she is fearless and why she's endorsed by Donald Trump and
1: she may actually be his true political apprentice. I I'm, I'm, haven't been more excited for an interview than to uh, talk with Carrie Lake. She's running for governor in Arizona. I can't say I knew nothing about Carrie because I did, but I had forgotten. I, I, when the story first came out about her quitting doing local news in Arizona, I was aware of that story, and and followed it. She got upset with journalism and all the phoniness in journalism. And I read the story and I was like, "Oh, I, this sounds like me an experience that I had. I was longtime newspaper, all you know, corporate media, the whole nine yards." And then. I didn't, after that story, I'd never heard of Carrie Lake again until it came across my Twitter feed, uh, her engagement with a CNN reporter. Uh, Let's play that clip just to refresh everybody's memory. This is what reintroduced me to Carrie Lake.
5: Hi, Gary. Hi. Hi, nice I, to see you. You, you. you don't have a mask on anymore. What's we're, we're going on? outside. Do you have a wow, to well chat? we're six feet apart. <laughs> do you have a minute to chat? Um, I'll do an interview. Okay. As long as it airs on CNN Plus. No. Does that still exist? Yeah. I didn't think so because no. the people don't like what you guys are peddling, so, which is propaganda. Thank do you.
1: This is the problem. That's I fell in love. This was like Kathy Barnett. I watched her commercial she was running against dr oz in pennsylvania and i had the same feeling it's like we're raising up mama bears that are out to protect us and to destroy the enemy i i, I loved it
2: when
6: i saw that clip i said that is how it's done the media hates Republicans, the media despises actual conservatives. So win or lose, Carrie, either way, I would love to see some consultation for some other Republicans to go out (laughs) there because
2: this is the reality that we face.
1: Yeah, Uh, Khaleesi, burn it all down, come in on your dragons, burn the whole thing down. Uh, That's what we need. And so Carrie, I wanna uh, welcome you uh, to Fearless, and I wanna ask you, is, is this good or bad that I wanna call you The Apprentice and say that's her nickname, The Apprentice, Donald Trump has raised up another giant is that, is that a compliment? What do you think of that?
5: Oh my gosh, I, I would say so, Jason. Thanks for having me on. This is the new Republican party and we're not gonna lie down and take the beatings anymore. We will stand up and we will fight and we will punch back. And this is the legacy of President Trump. This is the legacy of President Trump.
1: And so when you stepped away from your newscasting career, and I remember reading that story and that making national news. You were the highest paid TV personality in the entire state. Did you know then that you were going into politics? Was that your plan?
5: never even crossed my mind to go into politics. You know, I covered Arizona for 27 years and many, many elections I covered. And I remember being on the news set, watching the attack ads, you know, every election cycle. And I would say to my co-anchor, who in the right mind normal people would ever run for office. It's so disgustingly dirty. But when I walked away from my career, Jason, the people of Arizona started reaching out to me by the droves saying, thank you for being a fair journalist. We're gonna miss you, but we appreciate why you're leaving, we understand. And would you consider running for office because we need honest, politicians we need honest candidates who we trust with integrity and so only after a steady drumbeat of arizona and saying please run for office please did i even start to think well maybe i should do this maybe this is what god freed me up for when i walked away from my career i, I really did say to god i'm putting my life in your hands do with me what you will um, and here we are we we jump in as a citizen politician recruited by the people. We've been the front runner since day one. We have the endorsement of President Trump and the entire America First movement. And we're going to do great things for the people of Arizona, all people of Arizona. And you know, I know we're over the target because they are attacking left and right. They don't have any true dirt on me, so they're making stuff up and just trying to create all kinds of BS phony stories. And it's sad because I'm up against a real rhino who I think would do damage to our state. She's trying to buy this election. She's married to a 95-year-old billionaire. She's just pouring a million bucks a week into attack ads. And I worry about this state if it were to fall into her hands or my socialist, a Democrat opponent, Katie Hobbs' hands. That's why I'm running. We need America First policies to get us out of the mess we're in.
1: I, I certainly think we need America First policies, but we also need fearless very skilled people like yourself, who one of the reasons you're not afraid to mix it up, I think, is because you are such an accomplished, skilled broadcaster, you can hold your own, where maybe others don't have your skill and comfort in front of a camera, and just, I mean, <laughs> I'm mean i just, when I watched you deal with that CNN reporter, I was like, only another former anchor or broadcaster could do that as smoothly as you did it.
5: Well, that wasn't the only time I've taken on the fake news. If you go to my Rumble page, Kerry Lake, you can see uh, many, many other uh, interviews I did. One of my favorites was with 60 Minutes Australia. They were really eager to cover what the Trump Republicans were up to, and they had the gall and the uh, just I, I can't even believe it, that they wanted to attack us on on what we are talking about, which is restoring freedoms here in America when they sit in Australia with no freedom. And I really took this guy on. He had a major case of Trump derangement syndrome. So if you liked what you saw with CNN, you will really like what I did with uh, 60 Minutes Australia.
1: Listen, I, I and we're going I'm going to ask you about this, about election integrity, because I'm right there with you. I watched 2,000 Mules. I believe the election was stolen. I don't think we need to be ashamed uh, and afraid to say that. Uh, We need to deal in the reality that there was way too much craziness with that election. And I certainly uh, believe in border security. And those are your two highest priorities. But I I, I wanna stay on this media thing just a little bit. And because yesterday uh, you had an interview with Brett Baer of Fox News. And it got a little spicy. And I'm wondering if you have any regrets about it or or just want to clarify anything. But I want to play for our audience what happened with you and Brett Baier yesterday and then get your reaction.
2: Let me just ask you one thing. Uh, Obviously, as a candidate, you come under scrutiny. The Washington Post has a story today. It says Arizona GOP candidate who criticized drag queens was once a fan, according to a drag queen. This is the quote. Arizona GOP gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake, who has attacked drag queens as dangerous to children, attended the shows of drag queen Richard Stevens for more than 20 years and once hired him to perform at her home. Do you care to address that?
5: I do care. I actually do care to address that. And I'm really shocked. I'm actually appalled that Fox News would take defamatory story like that, and we are pursuing legal action against this drag queen. I'm appalled that you would bring that up when you have not talked about our stolen
2: election. You failed. We just to talk spent about three that. questions, Ms. Lake, talking about this. I just you asked you a it. number of questions about it. I played the Arizona this House is Speaker. The first of let's it. Address, this let Let's the first address of it. this story that's in the Washington Post. Every candidate takes wow. tough stories. I'm asking you to respond to it to if you'd it. like to.
5: I'm happy to address it, but I, I'm really disappointed in Fox. I thought you were a little better than CNN.
1: <laughs> so, Carrie, I'm telling I obviously I appear on Fox News. I'm on Tucker Carlson show rather frequently. Oh, tell Tucker I to really, have really me care. On. <laughs> Please. He's I, afraid I will to have I'll me ask on. him today. Really? Okay. I, I'll, I'll I ask will so. ask well, he's actually in Rio de Janeiro or but I will ask him. But again, I could care less about Fox News. I could care less about the establishment media. It all needs to be torn down. They're all in a little club. I'm not talking about Tucker, but I'm talking about Fox News in general. I was very disappointed election night. And so I I could care, but but I I just wonder, bringing that, because I feel we have a shared energy of like, let's take them on. and and call them all out, I get it. That's what I like about you, that's what made me go, oh my God, I love Carrie Lake, we gotta support her. But, I'm wondering if that energy maybe got the best of you a bit yesterday with Brett Baer, because I gotta be, I don't find his question unfair I get why Like, there's far bigger things. When you have an election stolen, when you have all this illegal immigration, there's far bigger things. But in today's modern world, he probably felt like he had to ask this question because it's in the news. And your tweet actually kind of sparked this line of questioning. I think it was a June 17th tweet or whatever, where you kind of took on the drag queen issue. It, it, it perhaps opened up the question, and so I'm just wondering if, if in you know, retrospect, an interesting
5: little thing about that tweet that you have up. I think it's on the screen right now. Is that is that what I'm seeing over there? I think so. Um, yes. It's interesting that um, one of my staffers wrote that, and he happens to be a gay conservative, and that's what triggered the um, the female impersonator, the drag queen. I'm telling you that hardworking, um, common sense gay men and women are even appalled by drag queens in schools. The issue is we don't want to put drag queens in schools. And it's happening and it's happening in our libraries and taxpayer money is going to fund some of these. That's what the tweet was about. It triggered a man that I covered for 20 years. And he was a talented guy, funny guy, former friend, but he has since become radicalized and he's actually working for my opponent. And so to take his story, which there were many defamatory statements in his story, he's never been to my home. I've never had him over to my home. That's defamatory. And he even told the Washington Post, which is a pretty big rag, it's a pretty liberal rag. He even told them he put this story out to injure our campaign. It's not gonna injure our campaign. What people do as adults, if you wanna go see a a drag show, if you wanna go see whatever, you wanna go to a bar, that's fine. This whole issue is about, we don't want this in our kids' schools. We wanna make sure that our kids are learning a curriculum that actually helps them. And so I'm not gonna sit here and rip on this person. That's fine, and, and I was okay with Brett asking it, but I found it really shocking that he hasn't for a year and a half wanted to talk about our stolen election. He thinks because he asked me a couple questions about it, that it's over. He needs to start covering our stolen election. It is the biggest story facing this country right now. It is the reason we have inflation, we can't afford anything. We can't afford our food, we can't afford our gas. It's the reason we have a wide open border. And I thought they were journalists over there, but I guess I was wrong because they wanna take a story that's meant to be a diversion It's a nothing burger, and they want to turn it into a big story because they don't want to talk about the issues affecting this country. The fact that we have an illegitimate president in the White House who is trying to destroy this country, I'm not going to let that man in the White House take down Arizona. And that's why I'm running.
3: Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th On Wednesday, we discuss former NBA star Steven Jackson. Over the weekend, he sent out a video of himself hanging out with gang members in Chicago and took a lot of heat on social media. Jason shares his thoughts and explains why he believes that Steven Jackson is doing good work and why black gangs matter.
1: Steven Jackson uh the former nba player nba champion with the san antonio spurs former indiana pacer i don't know if you guys remember he's a guy shot his gun outside of a strip club in indianapolis he was a part of the malice in the palace the brawl between the pistons and the pacers a kind of notorious NBA player. Steven Jackson is from, I believe, Houston, Texas. Uh, he's definitely from somewhere in Texas, comes from a very tough background. I actually know Steven Jackson or knew Steven Jackson. We worked together. He used to appear regularly on, on my uh, Speak For Yourself TV show on Fox Sports. And, and I gotta be honest with you, I like and liked Steven Jackson. You know, we definitely have different outlooks on life, different philosophies. Uh, That guy definitely loves weed. Uh, And you know, I'm not a drug user, but I got Steven Jackson in in terms of his background and why he thought the way he did. And for the most part, I think Steven Jackson is trying as best he can to be a force for good. Uh, This week, there was a video that he put out over social media uh, of himself uh, on O Block, this very notorious crime-ridden area, gang-ridden area in Chicago. It's, you know, it's about since 2010, 2011, been known as one of the most notorious places to live, Parkway Gardens, uh, low-income housing there. Anyway, he put out this video of himself hanging out at Block. Let's take a look. Yeah. A lot of y'all been at Block pulling up, taking pictures. Where we at? Tell them
0: how they're coming. We're in the middle of it. I mean, Y'all pull up and take pictures and y'all not allowed to. And one thing about it, if you're a real one, you don't mind checking in. Checking in, what'd you say? I check in, I check in with the real one. That's why I'm in the middle of Block. Where you at? You see the hoop? Where you at? I'm in the middle of Block. Uh, yeah. yeah, me. Listen, man. Is, bitch, what the middle of the people you know what I'm saying? What a real people's beat. man. Shit you can't pay for. No rap cap. You? Shit you can't pay for. You? You can't pay for. me. We really out here. Old Block. Chi-Town. Rest in peace, King Bond. We're in the middle of old
2: block, ain't we?
0: Quit playing, man. I'm everywhere, you never
2: there.
1: So, that's Steven Jackson, former NBA player, uh, I think still appears on Fox Sports, maybe occasionally appears on ESPN as well. Host of his own podcast, along with he and Matt Barnes, called All the Smoke, which is uh, very popular. Uh, Steven Jackson, if you guys remember, he and Kwame Brown uh, got into that long beef uh, almost a year ago, I I, I believe. Uh, Steven Jackson is being authentic is because again Steven jackson is from gang culture and he has never hidden that he, he's never hidden how brutal his childhood and growing up was and who were the guys that supported him and embraced him in childhood when he had nothing and he feels a great affinity and loyalty uh to those guys and so when i say I knew Steven Jackson, liked Steven Jackson, liked, Steve, liked Steven Jackson. I've socialized with Steven. I uh, I took Steven Jackson to dinner in L.A. once with uh, a guy that <clears throat> I'm very close to named Rock Johnson. Rock Johnson is one of Jim Brown's right hand guys. Uh, Rock was a guy that <clears throat> probably did 30 years in the in the pen, 20 to 30 years in the pen. Uh, came out, adopted Jim Brown's ameri i Can" program and philosophy. And can't say that Rock walked away from his gang affiliation, because I think after you spend 20, 30 years in prison, I don't think you can just walk away from it. But he certainly adopted a different lifestyle and approach, and Rock is a very uh, well-known person in California and uh, in in the Jim Brown America I Can program and with people from the gang side of life in California. I took Steven Jackson to dinner with Rock once and those guys hit it off. There was a natural affinity uh, because again, they both in their youth uh, and throughout part of their adulthood have been connected. Uh, to the gang world and the gang culture and so look my instant Thoughts when seeing that video. It's like, Stephen. what are you doing, man? What, you know, you, it looks like you're clout chasing. It looks like you're bragging about, hey, I'm somewhere the rest of y'all would be too afraid to go, and I'm hanging out, and I got all this money, and I got jewelry on, and I'm this popular guy, and I've made millions of dollars, but I'm still a real one, and I can come down and hang out with the black disciples uh, on O'Block. And it just, it comes off as clout chasing as like, hey, Steven, are you a rapper? Are you, are you a little kid or whatever? But that is who Steven Jackson authentically is. And I, I think that some of us make a mistake, and again, I don't agree with Steven's approach, but I don't believe in distancing myself from the people at the bottom of America's society, the most vulnerable people in American society. I don't think we can just walk away from those guys and ignore them and hope that they go away. I think it's important to remain connected and hopeful and try to bring a positive message to those people. And so that's why I can't sit here and just light into Stephen Jackson because the rest of us, we don't think those lives matter. We don't think it's important to stay connected to them and to be a ray of hope and light and perhaps a guide out of the darkness. We have ignored them. The left basically benefits off of their misery. The right out of fear, just avoids them and ignores them. And then so it's left to people like Louis Farrakhan uh, or Jim Brown or Stephen Jackson to connect with them. And, and I say those three names and, and I don't put them all in the same light. Jim Brown and his connection to the California gang community is very holistic and very appropriate, and he's trying his America I Can program for many years, trying to be a light unto those guys and unto the world that these people, Rock Johnson, others, are very salvageable and need to be salvaged if we ever want America to live up to all of its best ideals. And so I look and see someone like Jim Brown, who I've been friends with, for 20, 30 years, and I look at the way the establishment, the establishment, the political establishment, both right and left, ignored Jim Brown. Barack Obama would never meet with Jim Brown. Who did meet with Jim Brown? Donald Trump. He's not an establishment politician. He looked at Jim Brown, and saw an opportunity and saw a guy willing to get his hands dirty and build a program that actually helps uplift guys that are from O Block or wherever they're at, whatever gang connections they have, and Donald Trump offered a helping hand and assistance for Jim Brown and his program in, in trying to do something about that. The rest of the establishment? right and left, this isn't a Democrat or Republican issue, this is about politicians and they're exploitive, how they're not really interested in solving problems, they're interested in benefiting from problems. And so, I look at the establishment, wouldn't touch Jim Brown, Donald Trump, and the MAGA movement, would. I look at Louis Farrakhan and He's clearly a heretic as it comes to religion. He's clearly a very flawed person, but he was he's clearly, he and that organization, the Nation of Islam, have been clearly dedicated to trying to reach the guys from O-Block, the guys immersed in gang culture and try to steer them a better direction. But now, Louis Farrakhan, Nation of Islam, their influence has been greatly diminished because even though it's, it's, uh, an illogical it's a heretic religion. It is a religion though. And since this whole country is moving against religion, Louis Farrakhan nation Islam, their influence has been diminished. And so if you won't support uh, a Jim Brown, whose America I Can program is as patriotic as it can be if the establishment, left and right, Republican and Democrat, won't support a Jim Brown. Everybody uh, demonized and was afraid of Louis Farrakhan because of the anti-Semitism that's attached to his religion, uh, the, the racial idolatry that's attached to his religion. I get it, but he was at least trying to do the work with some of our most disadvantaged people. And yes, I know there's a lot of corruption to the Nation of Islam and, and, you know, some money and all these organizations, but they actually were doing the work and we wouldn't support them. And so how can I sit here today and say I don't like Stephen Jackson's approach, I don't like the clout chasing, I don't like the glorification of it, but at least he's willing to go down and engage and interact with these people. Are we, and I'm talking about Christians, are we willing to do that kind of outreach and try to steer these guys in a better direction? I think there's some upside to doing that. And that's why I say black gangs actually matter. And if we were really interested in healing, fixing the problems that we all sit around and talk about. We all love to sit around, oh, what about Chicago? And we love to do the whole thing about the violence in Chicago. But are we willing to actually do the work to heal those communities? Because if there is no connection, there will be no healing. On Thursday, we discuss more Roe versus Wade fallout.
3: Al Sharpton is now back in our lives thanks to the Supreme Court decision. Preaching from the Book of Alfred, Sharpton accuses pro-lifers of hijacking Jesus. Jason says the good Reverend himself, a heretic, and a lot closer to Jim Jones than he is MLK. You don't want to miss this fire.
1: Al Sharpton, he credits James Brown with teaching him to be a man. It explains why Reverend Al is the most poisonous heretic in American history. Sharpton has spent much of the past week attacking the pro-life movement and the Supreme Court for overturning Roe v. Wade. During an appearance on MSNBC's Morning Joe program, Sharpton claimed that the pro-life movement has hijacked the Bible. Take a listen.
0: Real Christians that really study the Bible ought to be incensed. I've been a preacher since I was a little boy. I am incensed and insulted that they have hijacked the Bible and Jesus to distort and misquote, well, it's not even misquote, create quotes that are not there to justify a right-wing kind of ideology that would take away the rights of women and then schedule to take other people's rights. And, and it, what is strange to me is, Joe, they can see a scripture that is not there about abortion, but they couldn't see love your neighbor when it came down to uh, put, putting things through that would help <clears throat> the poor and help the needy. They couldn't see that. They didn't see Jesus healing the sick when we were dealing with affordable health care. The things that are in the Bible they missed and they put things that were not in the Bible there. And many gullible and insecure Democrats who probably hadn't read the Bible themselves got nervous. If they would read the Bible and fight back, they would not be in this situation.
1: Al Sharpton is not a minister. He's a disciple of politics disguised as a disciple of God. His role is to bait religious people, particularly black religious people, into abandoning their faith, values, and principles for political power. For people of faith, abortion is not a political issue. It's a moral one, a spiritual one. It's about the value of human life and where that life begins. The Bible, in numerous passages and verses, makes it clear that life begins in the womb and that a mother's womb is sacred. I don't have a problem with non-religious people arguing for abortion. They believe the Bible is fiction. They don't pretend to have a biblical worldview. My problem is with people like Sharpton, who espouse and promote secular values while professing a deep respect for and allegiance to biblical values. Sharpton is worse than a heretic. What he's doing is evil. It's intentionally misleading. He should quit calling himself a minister or a reverend. He should renounce his faith. He's an entertainer, a performer, and a con artist. The original R. Kelly discipled Al Sharpton. Before fully committed himself to working as a knockoff Jesse Jackson, Sharpton served as the godfather of souls, tour manager, and enabler for eight years. James Brown raised Al Sharpton. Brown, like R. Kelly, used his money and fame to satiate his illicit taste for women and drugs. Say it loud. James Brown was violent, high, and vile. He dodged rape and domestic violence allegations. He married four times. Sharpton witnessed Brown's immorality and saw a father figure. Listen to Reverend Al in his own words. He said, uh,
0: when we get to Mr. Bennett, I want you to let him do your hair like mine. He said, I want people when they see me and you walk in the White House to see you as a reflection like my son. And that's why I started doing my hair. He fashioned and modeled me in many ways like him. And because I didn't have a father figure, he became that. And years later, as I became known, I got a lot of flack from some of my more Afrocentric brothers. Get that conk out your head. But they didn't understand it wasn't a style. It was a bonding Mm -hmm. for me to validate Mm -hmm. that a man felt I was worthy to emulate them that I didn't get
1: from my father. There you go. Mystery solved. If you're wondering how a self-proclaimed minister could demonize the pro-life movement, take a look at Sharpton's role model. Like R. Kelly, James Brown recorded classic inspiring music while living the life of a predatory degenerate. The pro-life movement hijacked the Bible and Jesus, really? Sharpton did that. He helped convince a large swath of Christians that our duty is to ease the consequences of biblical disobedience rather than to teach the poor and the needy the benefits of biblical obedience. Sharpton promotes the secular view of charity, an organization set up to promote to provide help and raise money for those in need. For believers, charity simply means love. The greatest form of biblical love is discipling men and women in the ways of Jesus Christ and witnessing those ways transform that person. Christians believe Love transforms. Non-religious people believe money transforms. That's why as soon as the Supreme Court overturned Roe, the left immediately began agitating for the government to finance more programs for single mothers. Sharpton claims to be a minister. He should be agitating for a decrease in single motherhood, promiscuous and irresponsible sex, and an increase in marriage and responsible sex. But the man who taught Sharpton to be a man did not respect marriage or responsible sex. Sharpton is a man of the world teaching secular solutions to spiritual problems. The secular world believes man has made a pill to solve every problem. If you're like me, if you eat too much, take this pill to control your blood sugar. If you can't resist unprotected sex, take this pill to abort the baby. If you ignored your schoolwork and can't land a high paying job, blame racism, sexism, or homophobia. Whatever problem afflicts you, look to the government to fix it. Never look at the man or woman in the mirror. Never adopt the mindset and values spelled out in the Bible. Al Sharpton, is evil and weak. He distorts biblical truth for 20 pieces of silver from the Democratic Party. He's never really hidden this. He began promoting same-sex marriage in 2004 when he ran for president. He paved the road for Barack Obama to come out of the closet and disavow a biblical worldview. Sharpton's job is to lead black people to hell and assuage the guilt of white liberals. He's worse than Jim Jones, the 1970s minister turned cult leader who seduced primarily black followers into Marxism and mass suicide. Wrapping up the week on Friday, Jason took the time to
3: highlight one of the modern day freedom fighters. Here's his thoughts on the man he calls America's moral compass, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas.
1: I'm going to back up and justify that statement I just made about Clarence Thomas. He is our Frederick Douglass. The left does want him dead. His life is in jeopardy. We must protect him at all costs. I just want to start with just showing you a bit of the vitriol that's being tossed at Clarence Thomas. Here's Lori Lightfoot the mayor of Chicago, a Democrat politician, saying F Clarence Thomas to a crowd. Now we know what
0: happened with the Supreme Court yesterday. And if
6: you read Clarence Thomas' concurrence, he said, thank you, you Clarence Thomas.
1: Here's Whoopi Goldberg going after Clarence Thomas on The View. There's we were no not in the Constitution either. Well, we were not even people he is in the Constitution. is nothing is
6: pressing and what, anymore. Well, really? you better hope
1: that
0: they don't come for you, Clarence, and say you should not be married to your wife oh. who happens to be white because they will move that. And you better hope that's that nobody it. says, you know, well, you're not in the Constitution. You're back to being a quarter we're of back a person. Because that's not going to work either.
1: Here's Hillary Clinton going after Clarence Thomas. Justice Thomas has sort of floated that out there
6: about contraceptive rights and contraception and about same-sex marriages. But other justices have pushed back to say, no, he's really sort of on his own with that. Don't believe that? Well, he may be on his own, but he's signaling, as he often did. You know, people—I went to law school with him. Mm -hmm. He's been— a person of grievance for as long as I've known him. Resentment, grievance, anger. And he has signaled uh, in the past to lower courts, to state legislatures, to find cases, pass laws, Get them up. I may not win the first, the second, or the third time, but we're going to keep at it. So you're saying people pay attention to yeah, this? Yes. The people he is speaking to, which are the, you know, right wing, very conservative judges and justices and state legislatures, and the thing that uh, is well, there's so many things about it that are deeply distressing, but women are going to die, Gail. Women <laughs> will die.
1: Look man, <clears throat> when they are trying to stir the pot, when they're trying to set an atmosphere for a man to be harmed, particularly a black man, they do it with women. Again, when, when someone is about to be lynched, when someone is, is a target, they justify it with women. They've been after Clarence Thomas, with women from the very beginning, from Anita Hill. It's not a coincidence that all these women are coming out against Clarence Thomas. He did not write the majority opinion in the overturn of Roe v. Wade, Alito did. But Clarence Thomas is the target. Clarence Thomas is the person the left wants to stir up enough chaos division, animosity, anger towards, so that some nut job takes him out. If you go back to when Jen Psaki was the spokesperson for uh, Joe Biden, and she wouldn't put a stop, she wouldn't say, hey, look, the president and, and our administration, were completely against all this protest and this civil disobedience outside the homes of Supreme Court justices. That was when they were protesting outside Brett Kavanaugh's house and someone tried to harm Brett Kavanaugh. But the number one target is Clarence Thomas. And he's the number one target because black men, our journey, our purpose as America's moral compass is why America became the envy of the world. And there has been one man And yes, he's flawed, and sure, I'm sure he's made mistakes, he's not a perfect person, but there's been one man willing to step up in those same shoes as Frederick Douglass, as Booker T. Washington, as Martin Luther King, and it's Clarence Thomas. He is our moral compass right now for this country, pushing America to a better place, and the left wants to stop it.
3: From everyone here at Fearless with Jason Whitlock, we hope you have a great 4th of July. Jason returns on Tuesday for another week of fearlessness, free speech, and truth-seeking. Make sure you never miss a moment of the show. Log on to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock and subscribe. Be sure to hit that bell for notifications every time new content hits the air. And subscribe to the Fearless Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to drop us a five-star review.